Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Now, why did Jesus seem to attract tax collectors, which cheated the people out of their money, and sinners. Why did he attract these people? Well, number one, he knew they were outcasts. The religious community hated them. But Jesus knew they had no hope because of that. And second, they, as they begin to watch and hang with Jesus, they understood he was different. He welcomed sinners because he had a love for them. It's notable that in the Gospels, the church-going people shunned the sinners while Jesus embraced them. He didn't mince words with them regarding their sin, but he also didn't dismiss their humanity. This, of course, led to all kinds of allegations against him by the religious leaders. Pastor Mark will be teaching about this particular story from the book of Luke, reminding us how our need to love people like Jesus did. As we do so while not compromising our Christian walk, God can use us to draw other people to himself. This is why he saved us in the first place. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Luke with part one of his message, Lost and Found. Today we head into chapter 15. This chapter may be one of the most known chapters because of something called the parable of the prodigal son is in this chapter. Now, I'm going to talk to you about some things this morning, but I want to ask you some questions. We're going to have some fun right up front here as well. What comes to your mind when you hear the word lost? How many of you this week, and I want you to kind of acknowledge this as we go through it. How many of you this week lost something this week? You lost something this week. Come on, don't, don't be embarrassed. You just you can put your hand up. Okay, that's good. How many was it your car keys? How many lost your car keys this week? Let me see. Look at all these people. They walked to church. Now, here's the next one. How many of you this week lost your TV remote? You couldn't find, that's a marriage stopper right there. How many lost your glasses this week? Look at the hand. Blind people everywhere, especially the reading glasses. Yeah, exactly. Now, here's one. Over, if you've been a parent a while, how many of you have ever lost a child in a store? Let me see your hand. Wow. Exactly. Well, let me get a little more personal even than that. How many of you have ever lost your wallet? How many of you have lost your credit card? Whoa, look at the emotions. Ah! And how many of you have ever lost your smartphone? Come on, be honest. And what'd you have to do? Borrow somebody else's to call you to try to find it. Amen? 
And here's one we can all agree about. How many of you at some time in your life have totally lost your mind? Let me see your head right now. <laughs> That's exactly right. Now, you look at that emotion, lost. What comes to your mind when you hear found? Wow. Look at, look at the emotion. I found my credit card. Praise God. I don't have to call those 4,000 numbers and then get a new credit card. Some of you have been through all of that mess. Well, that's what we're talking about today. Here's what I want you to write down. Same keywords, lost, found, repent, rejoice. Lost, found, repent, rejoice. Let's say it together. Lost, found, repent, rejoice. So you'll see these same all the way through. Now, chapter 15 is filled with three parables. Parables are simply something that would be very understandable, Jesus is teaching them, to the people in that day. Maybe not so much for us, but easy to understand and to apply it. But with a parable, there's dangers. Some people used to say, unless you're a pastor of 25 years, you should never even try to talk about the parables. And the the principle is this. In the parables, there's always basically going to be, how can I say this? There's going to be one special theme. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't applications in the parables. There's always lots of applications. But you have to be careful that you don't take just one sentence out of a parable and make that the whole purpose of the parable. That's not true at all. In fact, you won't find in your Bible it's the parable of the prodigal. You won't find that at all because it really isn't about the prodigal or the other son. It's really about a different theme, and I'll show you that. So we'll begin. I'll try to make it very interesting to you and applicable to all of us. We begin in verse 1. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. They were gathering around to hear Jesus teach. Now, why did Jesus seem to attract tax collectors, which cheated the people out of their money, and sinners? Why did he attract these people? Well, number one, he knew they were outcasts. The religious community hated them. But Jesus knew they had no hope because of that. And second, they, as they begin to watch and hang with Jesus, they understood he was different. He welcomed sinners because he had a love for them. Why? Keyword, they were lost. And so much so that we see in the Bible an interesting little phrase. Jesus was a friend of sinners. The outcast people, the people that nobody wanted anything to do with. And you see often, he touched people who absolutely, the tax collectors hated. He would touch women and prostitution and all the. He just loved being around sinners. Now, interestingly enough, they came to hear him teach. And Jesus taught like this. Whoop! He gave it to them. But he spoke the truth in love. And as he taught, they knew, even though this teaching was pretty direct, they knew he cared for them. And they knew he was teaching them truth. And so they began to trust him. Now, Jesus also knew that these lost people, they had no access really 
to the religion, which is really a good thing because the religion would have never helped them. So he was there because they were searching in their own lives. Not only didn't they have hope, but they didn't have purpose and they didn't know why in the world they were even here on the earth. Now, some of you are here this morning and you've discovered as you move through life, one of your main questions is, what in the world am I here for? Nothing seems to be working out right. I went this way, I went that way, this way. And it just doesn't make sense. You'll see today how that can be solved. Now, look at the opposite. These sinners, these people, tax collectors, the outcasts, they love to be around Jesus. But there's a difference. There's the opposite side. Look at verse 2. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered the Jewish religious leaders. This man welcomes sinners, and he even eats with them. Eating in those days was a big deal. It was kind of a social thing that they would do. You were like family. So here's the opposite. The scribes and the Pharisees, well, they didn't care for Jesus' choice of friends. How could you be a friend of sinners? What's wrong with you? And of course, his style of ministry, of teaching simply the truth. So they muttered, they complained about Jesus. Now that word is an interesting word. That word muttered means ganguzo. Let's say it together. Ganguzo. Some of you are mutterers. You're complaining all the time. So just turn to your neighbor with a scowl on your head and say, ganguzo to you. Go ahead, just do it right now. Yeah. Some of you are too comfortable doing that, really. I saw what happened. Ganguzo. All right. They're complaining about Jesus, but their teaching was filled with rules and regulations. And you say to the Pharisees, can I do that? No, 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 no. Well, no wonder no one be around them. Are you kidding? So they didn't want to be around sinners and tax collectors. And the tax collectors and sinners didn't want to be around them. Actually, nobody wanted to be around them. Because... The other thing is when the tax collectors saw Jesus eating with people, touching people like that, well, they said, we won't do it because if I touch them, it'll make me unclean. You see, they were self-righteous. They believed they were better than anyone else, which of course was not true. So here's this dichotomy. What will Jesus do? Watch what he does. Verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. So he's going to tell them a story in practical terms that has one theme. All three parables have the same theme. Write it down this morning. All three parables have the same. And you ought to write it in your Bible because that will keep you always on track because you hear lots of different applications. The theme of these parables, these three in Luke 15. God's love for the lost. In other words, lost means sinners. They didn't know their way back to God. Now, that is a theme. We'll go through it. I'll give you some different applications as we go through because it will speak to all of us today. So he begins verse 4. Suppose the story. One of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Now, the Bible pictures People, you and me, as sheep. Let me give you an idea what that looks like. Ezekiel 34 says this. You are my flock, God speaking, the sheep of my pasture. 
You are my people. I am your God. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Now, that means that all of us, in the Old Testament specifically, even in the New Testament, it extends right to it, we were kind of like sheep. And you'll see as we walk through, that is not really exciting. Because sheep are not very smart. They're actually kind of dumb. They're kind of dumb. You've seen it where a sheep eats so much, he turns over and he's overweight, can't turn himself upright, dies. I won't go there. (laughs) Sheep are not very smart. They're defenseless. Can you see it? What are they going to do? They have no way to defend themselves. And you can't train a sheep like you can a dog or an elephant or many other kind of animals. You can't train them. And realistically, here's the real thing. They're dependent on themselves But that doesn't work. They can't provide for themselves. They have to be dependent on other people. They can't live by themselves. They have to have someone helping them. A few years ago, a few of us from the church went to Romania, kind of a little bit of a medical mission and uh, doing some help in construction and hospitals over there. It was a very interesting trip. While we were there, we would be staying at night in the town area. We had a little teeny room that we could stay in, but it was kind of mixed with houses all around. And one of the things when I got back to the room one night, a couple of us were out there watching, as we're outside the room, all of a sudden you look at the street, little town, there's like 50 cows in a line walking down the street. I'm saying to myself, where are they going? Well, this is what they did. Seriously. These cows would go to the home of their owner and they would turn right and stand at the gate till the owner opened the gate for them. Every night, every single night. And I went, you gotta be kidding me. These cows knew where their address was. And it just blew me away. And that's kind of the picture. They just wait there. Now, why are they there? Because they know somebody inside the gate's gonna do what? Feed them. We're back to that mm, again. So now, can a sheep do this? They're still walking. They have no idea where they're going. They get lost all the time. Once a sheep is lost, serious, they cannot find their way home. They can't find their way back to the sheep. They can't find their way back to the pen. They're totally lost. It's like living before a smartphone. They have no GPS. Zero. (laughs) Don't laugh. If without GPS, most of us would still be driving this morning. Now, since they're so helpless, what do they need? What do sheep need? They need a shepherd. For us, God is our shepherd. Jesus is our shepherd. But pastors are shepherd. You're sheep. I'm a sheep as well. So we're trying to help each other get home to heaven. Can I hear an amen? That's what it's about. So here is the issue These sheep are defenseless, they're clueless, they can't find their way around, they can't really feed themselves, they don't know where to go, if they get lost, they can't ever get home. So they needed a shepherd to guide them and protect them. Now, sheep say, we don't know their whole language, but it's basically like, bah, 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 B-A-A, bah. We just turn to your neighbor and go, bah, everyone needs a shepherd. Turn to your neighbor and say, everyone needs a shepherd. Come on, everyone needs a shepherd. I can hear some of you, I don't. You're lost out of your mind then. 
Of course we do. Now, here we go. Look at verse 4 again. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses how many of them? One. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Now, that's a question, but it's a normal answer. Well, of course, since they can't find their way back, and the shepherd knows it, he's going to go after it. Now, in, in the context of shepherds and sheep, a shepherd, this one, has 100 sheep. Maybe has another one or two shepherds helping him. But if that sheep isn't found, and then they find it eventually dead, this shepherd will pay for it. Of course he's going after it, because there's a value in that sheep. Now, think about this. What is Jesus saying in this parable? If you will understand this, the whole parable is very clear. The lost sheep is a tax collector and a sinner. See, on your Bible, it's easy just to write this. The lost sheep equals a sinner. Somebody that's apart from the shepherd. Somebody that's apart from the shepherd. It's a sinner. Tax collectors fell into that category of sinners. Now, the 99 sheep that remain are the religious scribes and Pharisees. So the one sheep that goes is a sinner, lost person for us spiritually. The one, the 99 on their left are the religious people. And I'll explain to you how that goes. So who does Jesus go after? The one lost sheep. Jesus is the shepherd in the parable. He's teaching it. He goes after the one lost sheep. Now, why in the world is Jesus teaching this? Now, remember, who's around Jesus? The Pharisees who could care less about the sinners, but Jesus loved them. So why did Jesus go after the one lost sheep? What is he trying to tell us? Here it is. Later on in the book of Luke, we hear this. For the Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and save those who are, say it with me, lost. That's one of our words. He came. This one verse gives us the mission. Because when Jesus went back to heaven, this is the mission for you as a Christian, for me as a Christ follower. Our role model is Jesus, and he tells us how to do this. What are we supposed to do? So here we are, and there's a spiritual application that comes through all of this. All around us, there are lost people. There are lost sheep. They're sinners. They don't know God. They don't have a relationship with God. And they think they can do life on their own, but they can't. They were never designed to do that. So Jesus says, I've come to seek. Now, what's this? What do we do? Seek in order to find. He, he just didn't walk out in the, in the desert there in Palestine and go, well, I'm going to have a nice afternoon walk. No, he had one focus, to find the lost sheep, the sinner. That was his focus. Now, so we go after them. Notice, he doesn't sit in the pen on the mountainside. Come on! That sheep just keeps going. So he has to go out. He has to be absolutely intentional. Second, who do we seek? Well, we don't seek Christians. You're already a Christ follower. We seek lost people. That's what Jesus is saying. What does lost people mean? They're perishing. 
the sheep will die. Unless we get people to come to salvation and repent and believe, they will be separated from God forever. That's why we do it. Number three, why do we seek the lost? Here it is. See, what, who, why? To save them from what? Eternal separation. When a person dies, there's only two destinations, heaven and hell. And most people don't understand how to get to heaven. They think they're good enough already, which is not correct. Now, in this one verse, Jesus tells us why he came to earth. In a few weeks, we'll celebrate the birth of Jesus. Why did he come? Here's what I want you to write down. Here's the mission. And since you and I are Christ followers, we're the same. Jesus came to seek out sinners, share the good news, and transform their lives for eternity. That is the mission of the church. And the church is not a building. It's not a denomination. The church is Christians, people. We're the body of Christ. That is our mission. Now, watch what happens in verse 5. Look at verse 5. Kind of read it for yourself, and let me explain it to you. Here's the way it works. And when he finds the sheep, look at me, just look at me. When he finds the sheep, he says to the sheep, you dumb animal. I wasted all afternoon coming after you. You're not worth anything. Get over here. Let's go back to the pen. How many glad when Jesus found you, he didn't say that to you? Praise God. Could he have? Uh, Yes. Were we dumb? Say yes. He doesn't say, that's good. Finally got to the back row. Praise the Lord. That's great. They're also hard of hearing sometimes, the sheep. Now, I'm just joking. What did he say here? Look at that verse. And when he finds it, he, say the next words with me, joyfully. He was so happy. What does he do? He puts it on his shoulders. I want you to picture that and look at the next thing. And he goes home. You know, home is a great word. Sometimes when you go on a cruise or a vacation or you got a business trip and you got to do all those things, you love it, you enjoy it. But after a while, what do you want to do? You just want to go home. (laughs) You want to get in that bed, my bed. And you just want to go home. So here, he goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. Look at this. I have found, circle the word, my lost sheep. Understand, here's a shepherd with kindness and a personal touch. He doesn't just say, follow me to the sheep. He puts it around his neck. Do you know we have a personal savior today? His name is Jesus. He cares for us. And the world can't separate religion from a personal relationship with God. That sheep is carried back because the shepherd was joyful. He was filled with kindness. Today, Pastor Mark taught us the significance of the following four words, lost, found, repent, and rejoice. We also were taught why tax collectors, prostitutes, and other sinners wanted to hang around Jesus. We also found out why Jesus hung around with them. It's a good idea for us to ask God to give us the ability to emulate Jesus' love for the lost. 
Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Next time we'll hear Pastor Mark continue his teaching in the book of Luke. We'll be reminded of the significance of the individual and the lengths God will go through to bring the lost back to himself. Pastor Mark will be teaching us again what Jesus' whole reason for coming to earth was and what Jesus hoped to accomplish while he was here among us. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Everyday Life of Jesus. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurting world a new hope he is giving